I'm Teresa Erickson in Washington, along with Russ Woodgates. Thanks to you for tuning us in here on The Voice of America. We were talking a few minutes ago about the perennial problem of social prejudice here in America. For many Americans, the name Jules Pfeiffer evokes abstract pen and ink images of people discussing or acting out their feelings about race, religion, sex, politics, love, and death. For a society so obsessed with airing these issues in public, it's perhaps surprising that it has produced so few artists like Jules Pfeiffer. Adam Phillips tells us more about him. It's been 45 years since Jules Pfeiffer first published his serial cartoon drawings dealing with sex and politics, anxiety, and the abuse of power. During that time, he has garnered many honors, including a Pulitzer Prize, an Oscar, and a place in the American Academy of Arts and Letters. But Pfeiffer says that establishment praise certainly wasn't his intent when he published his first cartoon strip back in the early Eisenhower era. It was an attack on America, politics, and more race on the left. And essentially what I was trying to do is overthrow the government. And I did, and look what we have now. It's, it's a lot worse. <laughs> when The Village Voice, a left-wing New York weekly, first began to run his cartoon strip in 1953, Pfeiffer was attempting to give voice to the real-life concerns of the people in his circle. Many of them were New York intellectuals, artists, and activists whose views on life he felt were either ignored or actively suppressed in the mainstream America of that time. Young people today who take freedom of speech for granted can't possibly realize how constrained it was back then. This was a time of McCarthyism, uh, uh, Eisenhower repression. Uh, people were not talking about issues. There was almost nothing to indicate that if you were thoughtful, if you were smart, if you were educated, if you were probing, and if you were, in particular, in dissent, you had a voice. One subject Pfeiffer says was high on everyone's list of preoccupations, but which no one would talk about, at least publicly, was sex. My early cartoons dealt realistically and unbordedly with sex as a subject for the first time ever in a newspaper. Remember, this was uh, the age of American Victorianism. Sex was a no-no. There was a lot of flirting going on. There was a lot of teasing going on. The popular songs dealt with um, uh, all of that. But nothing dealt with the real situation as felt, the anxiety, the complications, the, 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 the give and take. Uh, in other words, what was really happening in anyone's daily life was seldom represented. So this and Cold War politics and the bomb was very much my interest and my passion. In 1996, Jules Pfeiffer donated his drawings to the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., which then mounted a major retrospective of his work to commemorate the gift. Harry Katz, the library's curator for popular and applied graphic art, oversaw the show. I think what, uh, what Jules Pfeiffer created in the 1950s was really this vehicle for very trenchant social and political commentary. What I call a, a, a comic strip for grown-ups. Um, he was talking about uh, the, the Cold War. He was, he was questioning authority. He was questioning the military at a time when that just wasn't done. It wasn't just a gag strip where you look at it and there's a punchline. He takes you on this little journey and you just don't know exactly where you're going to end up until you get to the end. Nobody was exempt from Pfeiffer's sharp wit, least of all former President Richard Nixon, who remained a favorite target for the cartoonist for 35 years. Richard Nixon is now dead, but still Mr. Pfeiffer will not leave him alone, 
as we hear in this reading he did of one of his strips. Nixon died on us, or so they said, and I have these, <laughs> and I have these two men discussing it. Watergate will fade in time and Nixon will be seen as a great president. Why? Because of his foreign policy achievements, such as the opening to China. What was great about that? No Democratic president would have had Nixon's courage to go to China. Why not? He would have been brutally attacked for being soft on communism. By whom? Nixon. <laughs> not that Jules Pfeiffer aims his barbs only at conservatives. He has often alienated the left by criticizing their icons as well, including President John Kennedy, whom he portrayed as a bloodless technocrat. Here Pfeiffer addresses race policy jargon in America, as seen from the perspective of an older black man he had drawn. This older man says, I used to think I was poor, then they told me I wasn't poor, I was needy. Then they told me it was self-defeating to think of myself as needy, I was deprived. Then they told me deprived was a bad image, I was underprivileged. Then they told me underprivileged was overused, I was disadvantaged. I still don't have a dime, but I have a great vocabulary. <laughs> Harry Katz of the Library of Congress views Jules Pfeiffer primarily as a free-thinking intellectual who transcends both politics and the genre of political cartooning itself. While it's obvious that Pfeiffer's satire is funny, he says, that is just a technique to get his message across. Which can be extremely uh, disturbing. It can be about, uh, you know, very difficult issues of war, uh, uh, violence, uh, child abuse, all these terrible things that happen in our society, the humor makes it palatable. It, it, it makes you look, and it makes you continue to read, and it gets your attention. But the satire is that ironic commentary where, where s suddenly you're laughing at one minute, and all of a sudden, you know, you get knocked on the head by this very important observation that maybe, you, maybe makes you see things in a different way. Many of Pfeiffer's creations also go off in unpredictable directions. Take The Dancer, for example, which has been one of Pfeiffer's best-loved characters since the 1950s. Initially, Pfeiffer modeled The Dancer on his girlfriend, a modern dancer, whose lithe and swooping movements expressed her feelings. Ultimately, however, life took Pfeiffer and that girl on different paths. And The Dancer stopped being, after a period of years, a representative of my girlfriend and then former girlfriend. And... Um, and then in an act of wondrous cross-dressing became a representative, a stand-in for me, and represents the part of me, uh, an important part of me, who, no matter what happens and however things go wrong, you have to just get off the floor and start dancing again. Just continue the dance. Jules Pfeiffer has remade his dance several times over the course of his career. In addition to his cartooning, he has written successful plays and movie scripts. In recent years, he mostly has been writing and drawing for children. When asked why, Jules Pfeiffer says that, to quote, having poisoned the minds of one generation, I have to start working on the next one. For VOA Saturday, this is Adam Phillips reporting. In the concert hall this week, new releases by...